When you save on auto insurance for driving safe with USAA SafePilot, you'll feel like a big deal. Even in a traffic jam. Save up to 30% with USAA SafePilot. Restrictions apply. Hi, this is Marissa Meyer. And this is Delaney. And this is Sloan. And you're listening to the Prince Kai Fan Pod. Hello, welcome to episode 120 of the Prince Kai Fan Pod, a Marissa Meyer Book Club podcast. This episode, oh no, wait, I skipped something. <laughs> I got all excited when I said 120. <laughs> Where Captain is King, Marissa is Queen, and I am your host, Bethany Finger. This episode is brought to you by Rampy and Crew Patron supporters. Thank you. Please welcome back Barbara from Badass Literature Society Podcast. Yes, thank you for having me again. It's always a blast. Haven't had you in a very long time. We were just talking about this that you haven't been on in since our since Cress. Yeah, it's been a second, so yeah. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> we have to talk about what you're reading right now. Yeah, so I just finished the Invisible Life of Addie Larue um, by V. Schwab for the podcast, and then I'm actually just picking up. Shadow and Bone by, I think it's Lee Bardugo, Bardugo, I think is how you pronounce Mm -hmm. it. I'm not quite sure. Um, But I'm not really, really into it. I think I'm just on like the fourth chapter. I like it so far. Um, It's pretty good. But Michael really wanted, like I wanted to watch the TV show. So I was like, well, I better pick up the book first because I have to watch or I have to read the book before I do anything watching, of course, to judge it and be like, ugh. It's better. The book is better. Better, of course. <laughs> I, I definitely struggle with the concept of like TV show or movie before the book. Same. I'm like, no, I need I, the I need the original content yep, first, yep. and then I can then I can make my own assessment of the situation. Same here, and I want to be like the cool kids who kept talking about it. I'm a little behind, so I'm like, man, I better get on this. So we picked that up, and we're reading that just for fun. That so. is fun. I love to read stuff for fun. Yeah, I mean, with the podcast, I'm sure you know, with podcasts, sometimes it's hard to like read books on the side, but I told myself this year that I was going to do a lot better. So I'm like currently always reading at least two books at the same time, one for the podcast and then just one that I picked. Yeah, sometimes it's hard because I I feel like when we do a book, I, I read it cover to cover before we start covering it so that I mm-hmm. have the entire story fresh in my head and can, that way I can look out for like um, fun Easter egg clues and things like that. So mm-hmm. um, it means that I kind of power read because I also I have the audiobooks, so I can oh, I can buzz through them pretty quickly. Right. Um, but when you're reading for the podcast, you're also like taking notes and paying attention for certain exactly uh, elements and trying to keep track of like quotes and things like that and I feel like that's very different than just like sitting down and reading a book it is yeah I feel like it takes longer to read you know for a podcast because like you said like you want to take notes and keep things down so you're like oh yeah that's right so I tend to take a little bit longer to read the podcast book but I was like I'm going to because of taking notes and stuff it usually will take me like probably like 45 minutes per chapter because I take notes while I read. Right. And then I take notes on like every line of the of the chapter. So I'm basically just rewriting the chapter. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I mean, you do a weekly podcast on per, well, you know, two chapters, sometimes one, depending mm-hmm. on how long the, the thing is. So, I mean, you, you get real in depth, which I enjoy. So, because I, I, I feel like so even then I miss things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading Curses by Lish McBride, which is a Beauty and the Beast retelling gender swap. Ooh, that sounds good. (laughs) That's so. First off, I love Beauty and the Beast, and then Gender Swap. Like that's such a cool twist on it. Is it good? Do you like it so far? How far are you in it? I'm not very far in it, but so far I really, I really love it. I love the concept. She has a really nice writing style. Mm -hmm. Um, it kind of it's like Marissa. She captures the fairy tale magic, the feel of a fairy tale while still spinning a whole new story. It's it's mm-hmm. so good so far. So um, yeah. I might have to check I, that one out. I definitely would recommend. It. I mean like I said, I'm not very far. I'm only like three or four chapters in so far, but it's mm-hmm. really good. Hmm. That one does sound good. That piqued my interest. <laughs> should we talk about some really cool fan art Friday that I got? We should because these are gorgeous and I'm super jealous. But I feel like I'm always <laughs> jealous, so there's that. <laughs> So this first one is from August 20th. It's by EERN Arts. It's kind of a throwback because Wolf is missing Scarlet in this chapter. Scarlet and Wolf have been separated for a while. So mm-hmm. this is this art is of the two of them kissing on the train way back when. Um, but I just really wanted something Scarlet and Wolf. I feel like they've been separated for too long. Last week we were last week we were like depressed because Winter was like, I think you guys are in love. And now Wolf is like, she loves that farm. Like, mm-hmm. ugh, it just makes me so sad. He's such a, a marshmallow. Mm-hmm. to protect him. This is so beautiful. Like, I, ugh, the shading, the detail. Perfect. I like that she's actually, like, that's what I pictured her to look like. Yes. Thank you for not making like, her really Like, the curvy. Thin. Yes. Like. <laughs> To each we, their own. We, Art is totally in the eye of the true, interpreter. True. But in a lot of the artwork, she's really thin. And it's like, come on. I want one. I can, we finally got a little bit of representation. I want to see the curvy girl. Exactly. Especially because she's so proud of her curves, you know? And I Plus, love that. Plus, grew up on a farm. She's going to have some muscle going on. Exactly. Exactly. Like, she, it's thighs. Like, as someone who kind of did that when I was young, it's thighs. Like, our thighs are just that size, okay? <laughs> I'm also, like, I think I'm, I don't know, maybe biased because I'm, like, I'm a chunky girl. I want to see it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's representation is very important. Yeah. Exactly. I guess chunky girl. People are probably going to be, like, Bethany, don't say that. I but, know. you know, there's there's nice ways of saying it, but I'm not super thin, right? So, yeah, I'll never be a size, what, like two, four? None of those. No, ever. I'm like a 16, like 14, 16. Yeah. yeah. I've got hips, size I am. hips and thighs. Hips and thighs. I got a, I got junk in the trunk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she does too, and I love that. <laughs> I love that. I love it. And I think that I love her little, how her sweater is like hanging off her shoulder mm-hmm. and her hair is all wispy. I love the curls. The curls, yes. W- once again, both you and I have curly hair. Yes. I love the representation. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's perfect. And I love that Wolf has his olive toned skin. Yeah, I feel like you don't see that. Like, same with, you know, like her sizing. Like, I feel like his, sometimes it's not. I feel bad saying like whitewashed, but a little bit sometimes. Yeah, that's I can how see I pictured that. him 
too. Plus, like, the detail with his little – all the scars that you can kind of see. Oh, I subtly. love it. Especially, like, how you see that one in his eyebrow looks mm-hmm. amazing. I'm not going to lie. I'm a sucker for eyebrow scars on dudes. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. I think it's – um, what's his face that has it? I find it extremely sexy. Um, Charlie Puth? Well, his too. I like his too. I forgot he had one. His is really nice looking. And I feel bad because it's like a scar. So I'm like, oh, your scar is so sexy. It's like, ooh. Um, he's um, um, the Aquaman. What is his name? Oh, Jason Momoa. Jason Momoa. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, I'm a sucker for scars, even though I feel I was like, maybe that. I should Google Argyle Scar Celebrity. <laughs> I'm going to go about this to see. That's funny. So this next fan art is also amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, this is by Reality We Want on Tumblr. Um, it's from last week but, or a couple weeks ago, but I just love it. It's a, another look at Winter visiting just Jason during his penance. Um, And I feel like we don't get a lot of art of the two of them at all. And Mm -hmm. so I love this. I love that she's very clearly in like a tank top and pants with slippers. I love that you can see the city behind the two of them. I love that you can see that he's like completely banged up on there, like covered in scratches and bruises and bloodied. Like, oh, I just love it. It's the detail once again. Like, so, yeah, I like the buildings in the back. That's honestly how I kind of picture them, you know, kind of like whitish with that blue hue that they used. I know. And I then... kind of love the hue, like the, the teal. Mm-hmm. I love the yeah. contrast that it sets. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's just ugh, beautiful. Perfection. And her hair looks really like it's how detailed, how it looks um, curly, but I don't know how they do that. I just don't. I'm so impressed. I'm always <laughs> so impressed with these people. Like it's an, insane to me. And then obviously his his washboard abs are still real nice, even though it's kind of cut up and bloody. Like, let's just picture, like, imagine that too. Right. And then, of course, there's that moment in that chapter too where Winter is like, he's shirtless. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's like, Winter, pay attention, girl, pay attention. Right. He's hurt. (laughs) Other stuff be going on, okay? (laughs) (laughs) So last week – Patreon members got to vote for chapter titles. Chapter four is Things I'll Never Say by Avril Lavigne. And chapter five is Safe and Sound by Taylor Swift. I love that song. Oh, I know. It's such a good song. It's a beautiful song. Dude, I you're my other Swifty girl. How excited are you for a red album with 30 songs? I know. I'm like, I feel like ah. this is like Two years of just Taylor Swift beautifulness because oh of my like gosh, two right? albums of Folklore and Evermore were like... Uh, folklore came out like a month before the one-year anniversary of Lover. Yeah, so if right. You, if you include Lover in that era, we've had like four albums in the That's last like, what I, two years. It's insane. Like it's the like era of Swifties again and I'm I love it. obsessed. I love it. Love it. it. I spent so way happy. too much money. Same here. Like <laughs> I spent way too much money all this stuff. Like I get oh. all her albums even though I already have them. I'm like yeah I pre-ordered oh, the new Red. As soon as came on I deleted the other one from my phone. I was like. Same here. I was, I was like, like I, I did not support I already, him. Right? Like I realized I already paid for it but psh, I want Taylor's version for mm-hmm, life. Mm-hmm. 
I don't stream that stuff anymore. Like, I'm nope. not supporting them. It's all Tay Tay. <laughs> so all, it's all our girl Taylor. Oh, I'm so <laughs> so so excited for. As soon as I saw Red, I was like, "Yeah, Red's next." And then I saw thirty songs. I was like, "I'm sorry. What did you say, Miss Miss Swift? Did you say thirty songs?" I'm so oh excited. Oh my gosh! So excited. They're all yeah. gonna be bangers too. You know they are. Oh yeah, we have a lot to. We have a lot to look forward to. Yep. I told my boyfriend, I'm like, Michael, you won't, you'll be hearing Taylor's, like, I mean, he's oh, been I hearing think nonstop has Taylor. Just accepted it at this point, <laughs> right? Like, right. He's like, um, are, are you listening to it again? I was like, yes, we are. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like when, um, pretty much every time there's Taylor news, I tell Quentin whether he wants to hear it or not, of course. Um, <laughs> so when I told him about 30 songs, he's like, man, you must be ecstatic. I was like, right? <laughs> but like when the fearless album came out i mean it was it was on <laughs> at mm-hmm. all times i was mm-hmm. playing it i was singing it like i'm in the kitchen thinking i'm 16 again <laughs> right all oh, the memories oh. the heartache <laughs> god the struggle is so real i even i there was a meme on facebook or instagram or something where it was like not me in a happy relationship but taylor writing a perfect one. breakup album <laughs> and i was like right I saw that one. It's like someone's like in the bathtub or in the shower or something and it's like raining on them or they're yeah. all like pretending they're depressed and it's like not me in a healthy relationship. I was like, right? this like, is so but true. But Taylor gave me this song, so. <laughs> exactly. Back to Marissa Meyer, though, Oops. who is also giving us another beautiful story to look forward to in November. Because I know it sounds... comes out in November. Mm-hmm. I so I love listening to her podcast. First of all, oh, like I'm obsessed too. with her podcast. Um, and I bought so many books from listening Same. to her podcast. That's you why know, I that got sounds curses really good because um, that was one of her recent episodes. Curses was one of her. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, I'm a little behind. It's like um, a Beauty and the Beast retelling. I'm definitely here for that. Right. Yeah. And her her new book sounds really good. I'm excited for that one, too. The Gilded, yeah. And then she also has, a, like, an anthology of short love stories coming out in January. Ooh. So I'm excited for fun. that. So should we talk about Chapter 6 of Winter? Yes, we shall. I am down. Yay. So I... I want to talk about how adorable Cress and Wolf are. I know. I really like their budding, like, friendship. I love it. So Cress is, like, checking in on the farm for Wolf to try and, like, make him feel better, I guess. And Emily has just been taking care of Benoit Farms while Scarlet is gone. Talk about bestie goals. I know, right? Especially after she got pretty much scared out of her mind by uh, well, also, Cinder. Well, also, Scarlet took off with the guy that... Emily had a crush on. <laughs> yeah, oops. <laughs> I was like, that's so funny to me. And Emily's just like, oh, I'm going to sell these chickens if she doesn't hurry back. And Cinder- and Cress is like, it's a joke. Or, Actually, it might not. Right. Like, it might not be a joke. This is a hard job. <laughs> I like how she hesitated. She's like, oh, maybe it's not. <laughs> I just love that Cress is, like, trying to cheer Wolf up. Like, in this scene, she she sets up payment plans. She lets him know, like, look, all the bills are paid. The animals are getting tended to. The crops are getting managed. Like, that. And then he's, like, 
Well, she loves that farm. And Cress is like, and it'll be there waiting for her Mm -hmm. when we get her back. Like, she's such a good support system for him, even though he still terrifies her. Right. I think that's funny. Like, she's really, like, terrified of him. But you can see how empathetic she is. You know, like, she knows that this is the only thing she can do to help him. Mm -hmm. Like, since he's missing her, it's like, you know, how he said he's like, she loves that farm. She's like, okay, well, let me help you out with that farm. Then maybe it'll be one less thing that you have to worry about. Which is perfect and beautiful. I love Cress is so. I don't know. How to, she's she's just, like the most genuine person. Yes, that's yes. that's. I was like, that's a good way of putting it. Like she really does. You can see how much she cares about her new friend. And you, if you think about, it, she has known them, but for not that long. And for her to, you know, go out of her way to check in on him, I, I think it's cute. It's adorable. Although she does have a moment here where. I get a little, she's like, okay, so Wolf asks about his parents on Luna, and Cress is like, he has parents, and I wrote in my notes, yeah. like, yes, Cress, the yes. scary wolf man has parents. <laughs> he, was, he wasn't born from a test tube. <laughs> it's just hard for her to picture him as a vulnerable child, and I'm like, I right. get that, but like, he's does. human, you know. <laughs> just like you, he was ripped away from his family. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think her night. How do you say naivety? Naivety. Naivety, yeah. Yes, is coming through here, I feel like. I think so, too. But it's also a good little segue um, because it kind of reminds her of her own dad and their relationship and how, um, you know, he – she got to meet him and she knows that that's her father, but he died before anything could happen. And so when she thinks about him, all she can remember is, like, the shell trafficker lab scientist, mm-hmm. which is kind of sad. Yeah, that was that part of the chapter was kind of a little heartbreaking because she's like good or bad. Like he, you know, was doing all this for her, like re- vengeance for her. And I feel like she kind of feels torn about that on how she feels about him. I agree. And I think that I think it's difficult for her because she can't connect to him Uh like she never had the chance to connect to him the first time she met him he was a lunar trafficker and then from there on they barely spent any time together and he made her feel really uncomfortable and then all of a sudden he's dead but he's also her dad yeah yeah i feel like that's it's a lot to take in for her and i don't think she's quite processed it processed it yet yeah and and i don't think she's had the time to process it with everything mm -mm. that's been going on Right. And it's not like she has someone she could talk to about it either. Right. Yeah, that's not really something. I mean, yeah. Yeah. My heart goes out to her. Like, that would be really confusing, too. Like, you just found out your dad did all these things for you. And it's kind of, I feel you know, kind of like a bad taste in your mouth. Because how many people, it's kind of his fault that died because of that, you know? So many. Yeah. Oof. That's that whole but, greater good concept where I Exactly. That's why I will die on the hill that he is a Slytherin. I agree on that one. I won't say that he's not brilliant, but you can be brilliant and still be in Slytherin. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah. And I'm not saying people in Slytherin are bad. But no. the entire concept of sacrificing the the few to save the many right. is a very Slytherin concept. Yeah. Yep. I mean, but, you know, 
he got the ball rolling for that, like the whole thing, because it's him, you know? Right. <laughs> so the Slytherin trait there, the ambitious, you know, <laughs> it shows through. Right. And I, I I don't condemn him for that. Maybe he's a little bit of both Ravenclaw and Slytherin. Mm-hmm. And I totally... I totally understand the concept of the the many versus the few. In right. theory, I don't know if I could actually practice it, but like logistically speaking, I understand. Like I can, you know, I understand that, but I just don't think in practice, like you said, I would be able to go through it. Right, and that's the part that's like difficult for me. Like my husband's in the military, so I think he understands that concept a lot better. But like, yeah, I'm sure, if if a if a house is burning. And I can save two people or the president of the United States. And I don't care who the president is. I'm not making this <laughs> political. Don't even go there. But <laughs> um, if you know, let's say I could save two people or I could save one very important person. I'm going to save the two people. Right. Because that's two people that I can save. But there are plenty of people who would kill, who would neglect thousands to save one very important person, right? Right. Whereas right. I'm yeah. like, they can just, I mean, not that every life isn't precious, but like, why does their life matter more than others? I don't know what I'm saying. No, no, I, <laughs> I no, I get like it. I in my head and I'm not sure if I'm explaining <laughs> it well, but like, I just don't know if I could make those tough choices, I guess is what I'm right. trying to say. Well, but I mean, you do make a, I think you make a valid point. Like what makes one person's life better than another? Like we're all equal, I think personally, you know. Right. And then some people are like, oh, well, but this person could be like a cure for cancer doctor. I was like, okay, well, um, you, you know, I just feel like you can't think like that. But I, I get well, what do you're you, saying. Did you ever see the iRobot film with Will Smith? I did, but I don't remember it that much. I just remember well, the creepy robot looking dude. Right. Um, there's a scene where he becomes a cyborg. He gets a cyborg arm. Um he and a young girl were both drowning and the robot saw that he had a higher life percentage and rescued him mm. instead of the little girl. That's right. And he said a human would have known better because in that scenario, we are all rescuing the little girl. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I I think that that's like a maybe a good analogy for for the good versus the many or how to make those types of choices. And I think that that's why Dr. Erland is a Slytherin. Yeah. And maybe what's hard for Cress to understand about that, I think Cress is a Hufflepuff. Oh, 100%. Um, she's brilliant. <laughs> don't get me wrong. But like I said, I don't think brilliant means that you have to automatically be in Ravenclaw. No. Yeah. I think the way that the houses are set up, Harry Potter tangent, I think the way <laughs> that the houses are set up is it's those are the traits that you have and value the most. Not that those are the only traits that, like, define you, which is why Hermione is in uh, Gryffindor instead Gryffindor, of Ravenclaw. Gryffindor, not Ravenclaw, she's, yeah. She's brilliant, but she she values loyalty above knowledge. hmm So that's where she belongs. Um, same as, uh, um, what's his face? Um, Professor Lockhart was in Ravenclaw. And a lot of people are like, oh, he should have been in Slytherin. And I'm like, no, I don't think so. I think he does belong in Ravenclaw. He was brilliant. Mm-hmm. And he admired knowledge so much that that's where his own ambition came from. Yep. You know? And so I get – so for me, I think Cress is a, a, a Hufflepuff because she values friendship above everything else. 
despite the fact that she's only known these people for like five minutes, look at everything she's willing to do for them. Right, right. You know, and before, even before then, she was willing to do so much just for Kai. I mean, maybe that would make her Gryffindor too for bravery, but I think she's a Hufflepuff. No, I agree with you on that one. She's definitely a Hufflepuff. Like you said, like she pretty much put her life in danger to warn him. We got Verizon 5G home internet. It's from Verizon. Safe choice, right? Well, some things that look great end up being not so great. Like the time you bought a shrimp roll from a gas station Ugh. or when you bought that used sports car <laughs> what about when we got billy that drum set the point is verizon 5g home internet sounded great but turned out to be something else and we deserve fast reliable internet we deserve xfinity it's time for better internet switch to xfinity learn more at xfinity.com slash verizon 5g facts him about you know lavana so for sure she's such a brave little thing <laughs> Love her. Speaking of being a brave little thing. Um, <laughs> where where were we? <laughs> so Chris tells him that she can't access Luna's network from, from where they're at. But when they get to Luna, she can look for his family. And Wolf says, never mind, Scarlet is the only priority. I like her little tidbit, like, well, and Cinder stuff, but okay. <laughs> right? She's like, I mean, Cinder overthrowing Lavana is a really big priority, but sure. But you know right. what? Now that, I've, now that I've made my little rant about Gryffindor and Ravenclaw, she just gave us a sentence that is very Slytherin. <laughs> She's valuing Cinder's reclaim to the throne right, equal to or above Scar- Scarlet's saving. safe return. Yeah. Yep. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I just ramble. <laughs> well, Why if you think about it, this podcast? <laughs> it's because of the rambling. Yeah. It's of the rambling. <laughs> oh, golly. So Cress also thinks, well, Cinder is going to need allies when she gets to Luna. So, you know, if you do have family on Luna, Maybe we could contact them. And he's like, well, that would put them in danger. And Cress is like, I think Cinder's going to put a lot of people in danger. I, I like that little comment. She's like, oh, well, yeah, that's probably going to happen to a lot of people. But I like that comment, too, because it's like a reminder of like what's really going on. Mm-hmm. And what's at stake, too. Right. There's a lot going on and there's a lot mm-hmm. to risk here. So Wolf, um, as we saw in... Scarlet has a an insatiable appetite and a never-ending <laughs> supply of energy. And Cress has not seen any of that since meeting him. That's how broken up he is about this cute little redhead he met two months ago. I know, right? Oh. I was such a Cresswell fan before starting these books, and I still am. But God, I can't get over those that devotion that Wolflet has. Yeah, it's it's so cute how much he worries about her. They love each other so much. <laughs> and even though a little part of me is like, oh, come on, like that much. We barely love. know each other. Yes, that's all. <laughs> but I mean, that's such a trope, you know, like that's so like stereotypical. And it's like, I just need to get over that fact that that doesn't. Well, I, I don't know. Maybe it does happen in real life. And maybe I'm just like a. I don't know, ice queen or something like that. And don't right. believe that. But. I'm, a queen. I'm an ice queen too, girl. It's fine. We can, yeah. we can, uh, 
kill the world together. <laughs> right. It's like every Disney movie, they only have like three days to fall in love or one dance. I know. Where they have a it's, dance. That's why I loved Elsa's like thing. She's like, you just met him and you want to get married to him. I was like, oh my gosh, yes. finally someone mentioned that. Right? Thank you. <laughs> and I, I love that about Frozen because even if after this, spoiler, if you haven't seen Frozen 2, even after the <laughs> second one, Elsa's story never involves a, a romantic love. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about love for her sister and mm-hmm. self-love and, mm-hmm. yeah, way better stories. For sure. For sure. So Crest says that she's going to make him a sandwich and he better eat it. <laughs> and with tomatoes, of course. I love that. He's like, oh, tomatoes. If we if have tomatoes. If we have any. And she's like, of course. Of course. Thorn calls to Crest and she goes to his captain's room, which is really intimate and per- mm-hmm. personal. And Thorn has this huge map on his room in his room of all the places he's been and all the places he wants to go. And Crest is like so envious of that map because while she's happier on the ship than when she was alone in her satellite, all she saw of Earth was dust and sand. Yeah. She didn't get to really experience Earth. Like she wanted to. Mm -hmm. I think it's cute that she was like, oh, I'm picturing all the places we can go together. And we're like holding Holding hands. hands. (laughs) I was like, oh, Chris, you're just like me envisioning things that'll never happen. (laughs) No, girl, right? (laughs) Like my whole high school existence. I feel like that's any teenage girl, right? That's why Cress is so likable, is because she's so realistic. Mm -hmm. She's relatable in the world, and Scarlet like runs her own farm, and Winter is this like elegant, gorgeous princess, and Cress is like, I want to make friends and fall in love, and that's not (laughs) what they do on the net dramas. And I'm like, right, girl. Right. (laughs) Which Disney and and TV shows don't prepare you for life in the slightest. But I totally get it. (laughs) (laughs) Like she's all of us when we're growing up and watching Disney movies and thinking that is how uh, the real world works. And she gets (laughs) a huge smack in the face. It's like, not quite. (laughs) No, I. That's why she's relatable. (laughs) (laughs) So Thorin calls her in there to tell her that he thinks the eye drops are finally working. It's been two weeks since the eye drops ran out, and even though the doctor was pretty sure he would see within a couple of within a week, mm-hmm. he hasn't seen mm-hmm. anything. But now he can see different colors of light and different shadows, um, which is great. But the strain is giving him a headache. Yep, which is depressing, right? I know you can like hear the the hope that he still has that he's going to get his vision back, but you can also yeah. like. It's like the subtle in the wording that, of course, she does a beautiful job of doing. Like, you can tell that he's kind of losing hope a little, too. You know, like, is this actually going to happen? So, like, any little thing he's, like, grasping onto, like, no, it's going to it's gonna happen. It's going to happen. And, of course, he has to tell Chris because, you know, they heart each other. They just don't know it yet. I mean, for me, I yes, I'm old now and I've married for a long time, right? <laughs> But I remember moments like this, and I am such a dork. I still think about it sometimes. Um, there was a time in my life when Quentin was not my husband. He wasn't mm-hmm. my boyfriend. Mm-hmm. He was this man that was my friend that I had a huge crush on. And it felt like every 
extra, hey, do you want to hang out was like a spark. Every time he touched me, it was like, oh, did he mean to touch me? Like, oh, he gave me a hug goodbye. Do we usually do that? I don't remember. Like, Yeah, does he like me? Exactly. And I still remember that that confliction of like, he's my friend. You know, right? just because I feel something more, does that mean that he does? And how do I even broach that subject? And, mm-hmm. um, and I think I'm such a dork because I still think that way sometimes. Like <laughs> I, <laughs> the other day, Quentin had to go to the doctor. He's fine, but he did have to have a procedure done. And I'm a big wuss, oh. so I was a little scared. And of course. Um, he was sleeping and resting after his little procedure. And he's the kind of person, like, he likes to have his hair played with when he's sleeping. Like, it helps him Mm -hmm. fall asleep. Mm -hmm. So I was sitting there playing with his hair and reading a book. And I don't know why, but I just got overwhelmed looking at him while he was sleeping. I Because I could remember a time when all I wanted was to be his and for him to be mine. Mm -hmm. And I had this moment, like, this tiny little epiphany of, like, I got to have that. I get to have that every day. That still belongs to me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I sound like Uh, such a freak. I know. No, (laughs) not at all. I think it's little reminders like that of like, like small gestures like that or small things that people don't realize that just, you know, I feel like in movies and books, you always read like these big romantic gestures or you want all those things. But really, I think it's the little things that to me means more, you know, like those small little memories or things. I don't even know, like stuff like that. Like it's just... It's bigger, like, it means more to me to have moments like that than to have the big grand gestures of, like, you know, sky writing or rose petals everywhere, things like that. Like, to me, the most... Dance numbers. Exactly. (laughs) Like, to me, the most romantic moments are the genuine ones that you Mm -hmm. don't plan for, really. And, I mean, like I said, it's different for everyone. And I, I definitely know that I'm kind of a dork when it comes to this stuff. I know, <laughs> I'm very aware that I'm a hopeless romantic. I've accepted that part of my life. That's who I am. <laughs> um, but yeah, I definitely feel reading this chapter from Cress, like it all kind of came tumbling back to me. Those, those insecurities, those moments of indecision, those times when you're like, it could mean something and you're immediately crushed by the fact that you know it doesn't mean something to the other person mm-hmm. or you think you know, which feels the like the same thing, even if it isn't. Yep. Yeah. I just, I, I love Cress in these moments. I, I just relate to her so much. Yeah. Yeah. Especially the next thing that happens where like he mentions, you know, well, I think you're going to read that, aren't you? Yes, of course I'm going to read that. Are you kidding? It's gorgeous. I'll let you take, take it away, Bethany. Then. Take it away, Bethany. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have to read it. It's beautiful. Let's hope it starts healing faster after this. I don't like seeing blurs and shadows. He twisted the blindfold between his fists. One of these days, I just want to open my eyes and see you. And everybody oh. else, of course. <laughs> <laughs> right. <Dustin. laughs> Keep your cool, Thorn. <laughs> I was gonna say that's such a him move. Like he doesn't uh, like uh, doesn't want to show how much he actually cares for her, so he has to add that little tidbit in to be like, oh, and you know, other people, of course, obviously. 
And her naivety shows again, her inexperience, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we know when he clears his throat and he's like, oh, and, and everybody else, of course, we know that that's him like trying to cover whereas she sees she hears that she sees that moment and she's like everyone i'm not special he wants to see everyone my name was first because he's talking to me right now but of course he wants to see everyone yeah yeah that's it's heartbreaking that she thinks that but i mean i get it like she hasn't had much human interaction so i feel like she doesn't pick up on those like body language or you know the the throat clearing of him being like oh he actually and let me just put this throw at it in so she you know doesn't suspect anything but like you said like we as readers would pick up on that because that's something like human interactions you you kind of start seeing in other people whereas she hasn't really had that and a tv doesn't really count on her shows (laughs) right right so she doesn't realize that's him being embarrassed that he said that and, and so she just thinks, oh, he doesn't mean it. And it breaks my heart that she does that to herself. Because I, I know how that goes. Like, sometimes you, you're you pining over someone so much that you think, oh, you get that little glimmer of hope. And then they say something. You're like, oh, just kidding. You know, you're kind of like brought back down to reality. You have like a small, tiny flame of hope. And it's mm-hmm. blown out before you have a chance to really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he sees, she has that moment where she reminds herself that they're just friends. They haven't kissed since the rooftop. He flirts with everyone. So every moment, every touch, every kind word doesn't have the same meaning to him. It's not special to him like it is to her. And she says that she's going to have to train herself not to stare at him when he gets his eyesight back. <laughs> I thought that was kind of like, funny. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, girl, because he'll notice now. <laughs> right. It also makes me wonder if everyone else notices. <laughs> oh, they have to be. Like, come they on. They have like- to be totally aware of this huge crush she has on him, right? Right. I love how she's like, I need to stop staring. It's like, yeah, maybe you should stop before because if you're trying to be subtle about it, I don't think you're doing a very good job. <laughs> No, because she's hopelessly in love with him. <laughs> Break my heart, Marissa. She's so what was that. your song title for this one? Um, I want to hold your hand by the Beatles. Mm, That's what song. I pictured just because of like the lyrics saying like, you know, it, it's essentially pining over someone that you don't think maybe doesn't like you or, you know, it doesn't have the same feelings back. And that's kind of what I pictured, especially in that quote where she's like, oh, and we're holding hands together. And I was just like, that has to be my song. Oh, I love it. And, you know, in a friendship way, it kind of works for Wolf and Crest, too. Yeah. She's comforting. She's not actually, like, literally holding his hand, but, like, metaphorically. Yeah. Yeah, let's do that, too. Yeah, I enjoy that one. Good yeah. good job, Bethany. <laughs> <laughs> sell, sell my quote better, or my title better. <laughs> so I chose um, – I chose Hopelessly Devoted to You by Olivia Newton-John, which is a beautiful song that obviously I thought of it immediately when she said she was so hopelessly in love with him. Mm -hmm. But there are moments out of the song that really, really work. There's nowhere to hide. He's about to get his sight back. She has to be able to – she has to find a way to not stare at him all the time. Right. She has to control her eyeballs now. (laughs) Right. My head is saying, fool, forget him. My heart is saying, don't let go. 
so good. Oh, but my meat. <laughs> this is from Greece, right? Yes, it is. That's okay. Because I was like, I know, like, I know this, and I can't remember how I knew this. And I was like, <laughs> I, for some reason, I was picturing Greece. Yeah, it's from Greece, and it's a beautiful song um, about loving and losing and being in love with someone who doesn't love you back. Yes. And it's hard to accept that. I'm not going to lie. When I saw that, I was like, I was singing that in my head when I was like, oh, that's such a good song. <laughs> oh, such a good song. So Patreon members will get to vote on which one of those chapter titles wins. Let's talk about your quote for chapter six. Yes. Yeah, so my quote is kind of like the one that I just mentioned. Um, but she still, but she had still seen so little of Earth and the thought of seeing those things while standing at Thorn's side, their fingers laced together. The fantasy made her pulse race every time. I really like that. And also, I feel like, I don't know if you're like this too, but like, I feel like I always have like these moments in my head where I'm like picturing things, what could have happened, or like, I'm like, oh, you know, fantasy, I'm going to fantasize this in my yes. head. Yes. You know, like, you it could be anything. You think the perfect thing to say yes. to that girl in third grade. Yes, I was like, it could be literally, it, yes, that, yes. right? Like, 20 <laughs> years and I'm still thinking about this. And it's like, if I had only done this, like, exactly. I feel like I do that all the time. 100%. <laughs> so, like, I felt that in my soul a little. I was like, girl, same here. <laughs> Plus, it's really cute, too. It is really cute. And I love that she... um I love that she admits that it's every time. Mm-hmm. It's not just sometimes. It's not when he says certain things or when he does certain things or when he, he has certain facial expressions. It's every time. She got it bad. <laughs> that would have been a good song, too. You got it bad by Usher. Mm-hmm. Love that song. <laughs> My quote was um, the line that I already read, but it's so beautiful. One of these days, I just want to open my eyes and see you swoon. (laughs) (laughs) So beautiful. She knows how to make a swoon, right? I know. Breaking my heart, girl, a million times. Hi, I'm Michael. I'm Barbara. And I'm Lauren. We are the hosts of Badass Literature Society, a book review podcast where we take book recommendations from listeners like you, read them, and then discuss them on our show. Join us once a month as we dive into the books you picked and talk about them. And don't miss our bonus episodes covering all sorts of random bookish topics that come out in between reviews. Don't worry, if you want to read one of the books, the first part of each episode is designated spoiler-free, so you can listen and see if you'd like to read it, and then come back and listen to the rest later. You can find Badass Literature Society on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, and anywhere else you like to listen. Now, back to the show. So we're in Chapter 7, we're in Jason's perspective, which I think is the first time in his perspective. No, I think you're right. I do think you're right, because I don't remember reading anything up until this point with his perspective and man what a perspective is it oh my gosh right it's so interesting to be in his mindset because he's mm-hmm. so we know from crest that he's uh emotionally withdrawn yes intentionally because you know supposedly it protects him but now we get to see it firsthand multiple times in this mm-hmm. chapter he starts to have an emotion and he's like nope shut it down yeah it was really interesting to read i really like that and a bit not depressing, but like, what is the word? Um, yeah, I'd say depressing. It's a bit depressing. 
Yeah, I mean, it's... Um, I know, I'm trying to think. What is a good word for it? It's a little jarring. Yeah. Because you're not used to people, I think, who are... As, as a reader, we're used to getting that insight into a character's thoughts and feelings and emotions. And in this, we get Jason's, we get his thoughts on what's going on. He's, mm-hmm. He tells us what's going on. But anytime he has feelings or emotions, he shuts them down. Right. Really it's like quickly. that, like, detachment, you know? Yes. Like, you can really see that with him. Because, like, we're used yes. to such lively or or like passionate characters with all the other girls and with him and, and even and the other Kai. Boys, like Thorn was passionate. Exactly. Wolf was passionate. Kai has like a very interesting perspective. Mm-hmm. He cares a lot about like his country and his role as an emperor. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's jarring, like you said, but obviously you can see that he cares about stuff. It's just like he like like you said, he like shuts that down so people can't use it against him. And it's I love it though because like I've talked a lot about how I like when books show me something instead of telling me something. Yes, so important. And in, in Cress, they told me. In Cress, Jason told me that he keeps his thoughts empty and he keeps his emotions empty to mm-hmm. protect himself. Now he's showing me how he does that. Yep. So I get I get both elements of that. If that makes sense. She's queen, so what do you expect? Anything right? less? <laughs> <laughs> so Jason wakes up from this suspension animation tank. He's damp and sticky and it smells like sulfur. So gross. When I was like, oh blech. For those of you who don't know, sulfur basically smells like smells rotten, rotten eggs. eggs. Yeah, so we had it's that. Pretty disgusting. Yeah. Back in Kansas, like we would drive at this, I don't know, some power plant or whatever, and it's it was sulfur, and I was like, it smells awful. It's not a pleasant smell. So for your whole body to smell like that, it's disgusting. Well, I, I thought grew of, up. <laughs> yeah, I grew up in the Midwest where we have soybean plants everywhere. Mm-hmm. Anyone who's ever been near an ADM or a soybean plant of any kind, that stuff reeks. It is yes. nasty. Yes, yes, yes. All it the things stinks. It's a horrible smell. And I can't imagine, like, you're supposed to be waking up healed. Can you imagine waking up and that's what you smell? Like, oh, my gosh. How do you not, like, vomit or get right? na- at least nauseated? Right. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, for sure. So while he's in this tank, he has these memories that come back to him. The trial, the lashings, the 40 hours of penance, the smile with winter. So cute. <laughs> it's interesting that these tanks are supposed to heal you, but they are also, like, extremely uncomfortable. It makes me think about, like, how many different medicines and treatment programs and stuff are out there that are supposed to help you, but are discomforting, like like chemotherapy, for example. Right. It's, yeah, it's that's kind of stuff like that I pictured. And it's funny, when I was going through nursing school, there was a teacher that said something that really stuck with me. And she's like, just for uh, medication, she's like, remember that, yes, it's healing, but that's the traits are also like detrimental to you. Like everything has, it's a a two-way streak. And it's always interesting to remember that, you know, when you're taking any type of thing or doing any type of 
treatment that it's two things. It's a two-way streak. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a give and there's a take. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> there's a cure, but it, like, comes at a cost. Right. Right. I like that she included that because you would think, like, you know, this fantasy land that it would be, like, oh, magical and rainbows and they can heal themselves with no issues. But it's, like, he pretty much explained it that it's kind of uncomfortable to go through and not something you want to do on a daily occurrence, I don't think. Well, and even when it's over, he has to drink this, like, cup of syrupy orange liquid that tastes gross. Just reminds me as a kid when you had to take nasty, like, medication. (laughs) Remember when you're a kid, though, and you have to get antibiotics and they give you that bubblegum stuff? Uh, And as a grown-up, we don't get the bubblegum stuff. You know, it's flavoring. Oh, and then, P.S., they added new, more flavors for it now. It's not just bubblegum anymore. Fancy kids get mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. I, that's what I said. I, I remember back, once back in my day, right? I remember once when I was sick that my mom had to keep it in their fridge, and I got in trouble for like trying to drink it when I didn't need it anymore because I just thought it was candy. It's amoxicillin, isn't it? I'm pretty sure it yeah, is. It's just an antibiotic. It's mm-hmm. not damaging, but I probably still shouldn't be like chugging it right now. No, no, you definitely don't. You're gonna get yeah. the runs after that. That's not fun. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, this is yummy. And she's like, child safety lock my ass. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> You're like guzzling it down, like, oh, good. <laughs> what I think is really kind of sad in this moment is that Jason kind of looks at the doctor and he's really envious of like his soft hands that get to work with. With healing and not guns and knives and murder and blood and violence. And he wanted to be a doctor. He had dreams mm -hmm. of being a doctor. But he as soon as as soon as Lavana picked him for the Royal Guard, he never stood a chance. Yeah. It was really interesting to get that because I was not expecting that from him. You know, because he's so efficient at what he does, he's good at what he does, that it's it, it broke my heart to read that and see that he didn't want to hurt people. He actually wanted to help people. people. Yeah. And to see that he still obviously, you know, thinks about it and uh, like that was, yeah, it just broke my, my poor Jason. Like all the guys are my little marshmallows and I need to protect them, but like, Oh, for sure. Jason's perspective is kind of, pessimistic you know it really is it is you know, you know, but I, mean, I mean it we talked about it being depressing and jarring but it's really it's it's pessimistic there's no hope mm-hmm. i feel like he just kind of understands that this is his life and he's just kind of is living it you know like he's not really he's not living going his best through the life. motions he's just trying to make it through the end yeah. of the day like yeah like he's just trying to protect winter and then that's about it like that's the only little thing that he lets himself i feel like be hopeful towards and everything else he's right. like i'm just kind of skating by just because i have to you know it's, it's depressing like yeah it is it, depressing mm. And he has this line here where he says that if he that he knows that if he ever stepped out of line winter is the one that would be punished right so from the beginning Lavana has been using Winter as a weapon against him. Yep. And it makes yep. you wonder, like, that's why that's why in the trial, Lavana was like, Well, I bet my stepdaughter wants to keep you alive, right? <laughs> 
Oh, and if you try to feed him, I'm going to cut his tongue out. Like, you know. Yeah, she knows how to play both of them, essentially, to do what she wants them to do. Yeah, yeah. So, Amory shows up. I like that Jason calls him the queen's new favorite hound. hound. Yeah. And I, I, it makes me wonder if he would have liked, if he liked working for Sybil better. I think he did actually like working for Sybil better. From this, I kind of also got that. I feel like, so Amory just gives me like the heebie-jeebies, like slippery, like gross, like skeevy. And uh, like for all, and like, yeah, I think he probably did prefer working for her because maybe she, I mean, yeah, she was psychotic, but maybe not like Amory's like, like. Well, we know know. that Jason is very protective of winter and I'm going to read from page 62 and this is from Jason. He embraced a particular loathing for this man who was rumored to have abused more than one palace servant with his, with his manipulations and whose leering attentions landed far too often on winter. So I think that's a pretty big hint that he Mm -hmm. takes advantage of young women by using his gift on them. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He gives sleevey vibes. Yeah, he's definitely a predator. And he is trying to do that to winter, and uh, I don't think uh, Jason is... um... Oh yeah, Jason's not cool with that. No, Mm-mm, Jason. Jason nope. says no, thank you to that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so they're at the armor. This is a kind of the end of the chapter. is really boring, but they go to the vault to get his stuff back, and we get a reminder that Lavana got all of her reflectionless windows. I love that when they go to the vault, it's on like the underground part of the castle where no one else or palace where no one else goes so it doesn't have to look pretty because the lunar court never sees it so it's unfinished it's unadorned exactly it's easy to forget that you're even in the capital yeah i like that scene because oh well i mean spoiler alert it's like a quote that i picked but um that's how he's saying (laughs) i like how you like spoiler alert for something that we're going to talk about in like eight minutes (laughs) i i know but just in case just in case you know you're you know waiting with baiting breath like whoa what quote would you pick it's this one um (laughs) where he kind of says like it doesn't have to pretend like the rest of the castle or the you know the rest of where everyone that is walking around like this is unfinished it's ugly but it's true and i think that jason especially appreciates true and honest mm-hmm. because he's surrounded by the lies of the capital and the lunar court yeah i thought that was an interesting quote that's why i picked it <laughs> yeah <laughs> Plus, she, Lavana goes, like, out of her way with these reflectionless windows. Holy. Oh, my gosh. She's never even going to go down there. They don't I know even decorate like... it because she's not going to go down there. Right. And yet what she, like, would she go down there for? It's just, like, how insane she is with that. Like, you really see it with this. It's, like, everything else is in a door. Nothing is, like, pretty looking or, you know, like, But you pristine. gotta have those reflections. But you have windows. to. Exactly. But those are the things that she's, like, demanding. You know? It's, like, dang, okay. But it's also like, why? Why? Oh, anyways. <laughs> so he, re- he recalls that his body hasn't been his own since the day he became a guard. 
that's disturbing. Mm-hmm. But he's back to watch over his princess. <laughs> Swoon. Uh. <laughs> Flutter my eyelashes at that one. Um, <laughs> only winter can ruin his emotionless facade. And he jerks it back. He thinks of winter and he's like, nope, not doing nope. that. Yep. And the betrayal of Cinder saved his rank. That's do you think of- he I was gonna did you do you think he was playing that all along because he kinda had to save face of what happened? Yeah, because I think he was always trying to find a way back to winter. Yeah. And I think Here's the question. <laughs> if he <laughs> had known that Cinder was Celine, would he have betrayed them? See, that's what I'm saying. Like it's one of those what if moments, you know? I I got to be honest, I think he would have been tempted to betray them so he could get back to winter, but I don't think he would have because one, he wants Celine back. He said so before. Our last princess mm-hmm. is coming home. Two, Winter would never forgive him for abandoning Celine willingly and knowingly. Right, right. Go back to your princess, but she's never going to talk to you again. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I'm interested. Anyone listening, if you have a different theory, email me, princekaifanpod at gmail.com. But I think that if Jason knew Cinder's true identity was Celine before the rooftop, I don't think he would have betrayed them. Uh, Yeah, I agree with you. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, him helping her out would also help Winter out. And that's like end goal for him, you know, to keep her safe. Yeah. I just think that as much as Jason values Winter above everybody else, I do think that he would have the mentality of this is where he needs to be. This is what he needs to be doing right now. Mm-hmm. And that's part of he feels guilty about betraying them. Because right. Because if, if he hadn't betrayed them, he knows they would have been one step closer to succeeding. Well, maybe. I don't know. the way Because of his betrayal, they were able to eliminate Sybil. So maybe not. Yeah, it worked out in their favor still. (laughs) Um, How miraculously. Um, (laughs) So he goes to get his gun and says, well, I had a knife too. And the guard throws the knife at him and Jason catches it. And the guard is like, (coughs) traitor. So Jason like flips his knife under the guy's nose. I love this. Now we're seeing the Jason we know and love. I was going to say, I love this, ex- especially since he, like, he caught the knife, like, nonchalantly, like, yeah, no big deal. And then was like, here, call me trade whatever you want. Of, um, but- <laughs> it's very different, but it reminds me of when Thorne fought the guy in the hallway uh, to get back to Cress, like, uh, Jamal. And he, yes. like, he, like, banged him multiple times with his cane, cocked his gun, and then was like, yes. okay, I'm blind, but I can still hit you somewhere. Right. I can still Like, hear. if I just start firing bullets, <laughs> one of them's going to land somewhere. Like, it kind of reminds me of that moment where they're, like, showing their masculinity and their skills. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's kind of sexy. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. I loved that mm-hmm. chapter with Thorne. I was like, get him, Thorne. <laughs> right. And I like this too, this little thing. He's just like, okay, call me whatever you want, but I'm still, you know, I can still take you on. <laughs> and I still outrank you. Mm-hmm. And apparently because he's 
risen so highly in the ranks so early on, he's already used to having this kind of relationship with other guards, which makes sense because let's assume you become a guard at like 18. Jason is 20, 21. So in three years, he's already he was already the guard to the head thaumaturge. Right. And how long had he been her guard? Right, exactly. I mean, I understand that there, it's just jealousy at the end of the day, you know, but like oh, what yeah, they don't sure. understand, and, it's Lavana's way of playing him, keeping right, him because close. because he even says like, I, you know, the only reason I rose so high was because Lavana wants me to keep an eye on Winter. Right. And that's, that's basically where we end here. Jason says that he's going to go, he's going to go to... Lavana and beg her forgiveness and prove that he's loyal to her. He gets on this elevator. He rides up with Amory and Amory says, um, her Royal Highness, the princess herself has made a request of you. And Jason's like, Oh, hateful stars. Please tell me she didn't do something stupid. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love hateful stars. <laughs> We've seen like, Oh, my stars and stuff. Mm -hmm. Or I love hateful stars. stars. I love it. There's just love pessimism, it. pessimism just coming back. Just, hateful stars. I know. <laughs> like stupid stars. Come on. I don't know if you've seen um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine or not, but... I hate so not talk. regularly. Well, just they say no doubt, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt a mm -hmm. lot. <laughs> and the end of this chapter, I don't know why, but I thought of that because... <laughs> Jason was like, I'm here to serve the queen. And uh, Amory was like, no doubt, Sir Clay. So, like, for some reason, my brain was like, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> Amory's supposed to be like this, like, hard ass. And you're like, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Right. <laughs> Funny what our minds do. <laughs> oh, God. So let's talk about your chapter title for this one. Which yes. I really love because I almost picked it, but I had already chosen two songs. <laughs> and I was like, no, I can't choose a third one. So it well, got I for you. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I loved Evanescence and it just going under is what made me think of this. Actually, this was an easy one. Like no, sometimes I struggle with these and I don't know why, but that's what I pictured. You know, like the, the lyrics, if you look that, them up, are very fitting for him and, and the tone of this chapter, I thought. Yeah, I think so, too. And it's, it's obviously like Evan. That song is about you know like a a lover, but I think it fits in this for his relationship. I think with Lavana and just in himself too. I feel like since he feels like he needs to kind of be emotionless, and because he doesn't have control of his own mind since he's been a guard. It, I think the line that I think of most is blurring and stirring the truth and the lies yes that is a great line yeah because jason talks a lot in this chapter i know this is a really short chapter and not a lot happens but mm -hmm. jason reminds us frequently in this chapter of all the lies that are going on mm -hmm. on luna mm -hmm. the reflectionless windows the lack of decorations in only one section of the palace like it's the all an illusion yeah 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 so I think that that line specifically, I think, comes to mind for for me. Yes. Yeah. 
Good choice, girl. Good choice. Thank you. I think we have similar taste in music, so. I think we do. (laughs) So I chose two songs, um, which is why I was like, okay, calm down, Bethany. Uh, I chose Breath of Life by Florence and the Machine, um, mostly because the way that Jason wakes up from healing, but he's uncomfortable and he's still not Mm -hmm. fully um, there, I guess, you know? And then Mm -hmm. I chose wide awake by Katy perry for kind of the same reason um just because you're awake and and i don't know what i'm trying to say just because you're (laughs) healed and awake doesn't mean you're better right that's what i'm trying to say god words are hard too (laughs) (laughs) the patreon members will get to vote on um which chapter title we choose let's talk about that quote again Yes, and I'm actually going to quote it this time. So mine was, excuse me, they, and he's referencing the lava tubes, did not do themselves up with lavish decorations and glitz in an attempt to conceal the horrible things that happen inside their walls. And that creeps me out about all, like, you just kind of, like, I pictured all the stuff that has happened because of Lavana in the palace and it's like ooh. and Channery and her parents and yeah like yeah ev- like uh, all of them the whole royalty family is just like woof man that just really painted a picture for me and you know out of context this line is like could could go in pretty much any horror story right right yeah the hor- conceal the horrible things that happened inside their walls. That kind of makes me think of um, bleeding, bleeding walls, you know, I was gonna in say horror movies. The murder house. Yes. Yeah. 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 For sure. Like, it's kind of like, a, like you said, like a, a horror line. Like, this would fit, you know, if you plucked it out, it would fit perfectly in like a horror book. And you're like, oh, like oh, that. Yeah, the feeling sure. that I got reading that, like, kind of was like, I was like, ooh, like chills, but in a bad way. Yeah. Not the good yeah. kind. <laughs> So mine was probably the only happy line in Jason's whole chapter. Pretty much. <laughs> the mischievous smile Winter only shared with him. Gotta love those oh. rare glimpses of emotion we get from our boy, Jason. Because <laughs> everything else was depressing but that. that so, was so depressing. He <laughs> was like, oh, my 40 lashes. And then her pretty smile. I was like, oh, Jason. Oh, love it. You're a marshmallow inside. You pretend you're not, but we know you but are. But we know you are. <laughs> Please remember that Prince Kai Fan Pod is a free podcast and always will be. If you'd like to show your support for the show, head over to patreon.com slash princekaifanpod. Patreon allows you to get extra perks and behind-the-scenes bonuses for only $1 a month. If you can't join Patreon but would still like to show your support because you just love the show so much, head over to coffee.com slash princekaifanpod. That's K-O hyphen F-I dot com slash princekaifanpod and leave a one-time only tip. Your support will help me bring you more TLC and Marissa Meyer content that you know and love. Now, let's get back to the episode. So... This week, there were four Easter eggs. The bonus word hair appeared once. We have the return of the tomato, which made one appearance. <laughs> um, scars made one appearance, and reflections made one appearance. Barbara, let's talk about Badass Literature Society podcast. I know you've been on lots of episodes, but it's always nice to yes. plug ourselves, right? Of course. <laughs> so you can find us pretty much anywhere you stream podcasts, you know, uh, just 
look us up at Badass Lit Pod or Badass Literature Society. And we're pretty much just um, a podcast. Just, you know, we you guys recommend books to us and we read those and then just talk about them. And then the first, I'd say like 15 minutes is spoiler free. So in case it's a book that you're thinking about reading, we kind of give you an idea of something that you might like. And then you can pause it, come back to it after you finish the book and uh, listen to our thoughts on it. That's awesome. I love that you guys have that spoiler section and non-spoiler section. Yeah, because I feel like, you know, for other things, we always have that. So I was like, why not books? You know, like sometimes I want to know, like, am I going to like this book or not? And I would like a little spoiler free part to see if I would enjoy it. And I'm like, you know what? That actually sounds like a book I want to read. And then come back. Like, that's why I like uh, Marissa's podcast. Like, they don't do they don't go into spoiler parts. And but you that's get to like, learn oh. about like the authors and their process exactly. and like what their book is about and why it might appeal to you and right yeah, and I that's I like that part of it so I was like man like that's a really you know like I that's interesting to see like hey maybe that is a book I want to pick up and it doesn't ruin the book in case I do still want to read it so absolutely I agree hundred percent girl. <laughs> So next week, we're going to cover chapters eight and nine. Don't forget to follow, rate, review, and subscribe. Check out Patreon for a chance to be a guest with me on an episode and more fun perks. And that's it. I did it all. (laughs) (laughs) We're done. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. I hope I get to record with you again soon. I know everybody... We're all always so busy. <laughs> I know. But, you know, I'll always, I'll always make time for this because I absolutely love it. Yes. And I love in-depth or, conversations with you. Or more Disney you. Channel uh, or bonus Taylor episodes Swift. for my Patreon. <laughs> Ooh, as soon as, yes. as soon as the new Red comes out, we could do a bonus episode for my Patreon. Uh, let me know I'm free. <laughs> my Patreon is split. There's like a 50-50 going on. There's like... 50% are Swifties and the other 50% are like, we like her music, but you guys need to calm down. <laughs> oh, no such thing. <laughs> no such thing, right? I mean, I, I I get it. I feel like us Swifties, sometimes we go a little overboard. So I get we it. We do. You know. but, but why make people feel bad about things that make them happy? Yeah, exactly. It's not hurting anyone, you know. It's not hurting just, anyone. Just, just let us be obsessed with her. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you for being here, listeners. Thank you for listening. Keep reading, keep listening, and until next time, don't get glamoured. Don't get glamoured. Woo! Bye. Bye. The passages read for you today are from Winter by Marissa Meyer. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger. Today's special guest was Barbara from Badass Literature Society Podcast. The intro-outro music was composed by Emma Pavo, and the logo art was created by Angela Wong. Thank you for listening.